This morning, we're going to continue to look at some of the parables of Jesus as we've been doing through the summer. And our text for this morning is from Matthew chapter 13. We'll read just a few verses there, verses 44 through 46. In your pew Bibles, you can find that on page number 974 or, as usual, on the screen behind me. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells a number of parables together. We'll be looking at two of them. When speaking to his disciples, Jesus says in Matthew 13, verse 44, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure, hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the things that I have the privilege of doing through my job is helping people prepare for marriage and pre-marriage counseling. And before their wedding ceremony, I sit down a number of times, and one of the things that we do is go over those areas where there is often the potential for conflict in their future relationship. And one of those obvious areas is in the realm of finances. And one of the questions that I often ask these couples is, what is something that the other person might be prone to waste money on? Now, I recognize that that is a very loaded question to ask. And, and you have to get into these issues. Well, what does it mean to waste money? And in the end, after I've explored that question many times with many couples, we typically come to the conclusion that to waste money is where the other person doesn't see the same value of something that you see. Whether it's eating out at a restaurant pretty regularly or purchasing more shoes than you need, they don't recognize the value in the same way that you see in those items. And therefore, the thing is, they think you are wasting funds. Well, in life, we are constantly being asked to assess the value, the worth of different things. Whether that be knowing that you need to buy jeans to have something to wear and trying to decide, do you just go with the cheapest pair that, that will work? Or do you spend a little bit more money on something that might last a little longer or have a certain brand name that looks a little bit better on you? And, and where is the value in that? Or much more importantly, thinking about and hearing from many of you this last summer who had to decide it's going to cost a certain amount of money to harvest my walnuts. And when I sell those walnuts, and am I going to recoup all of those costs? And is there enough value in the nuts to make it worth spending the money to harvest it? And some had to make the choice that it wasn't worth that value. And as much as a struggle that it is with finances and, and things that have cost, value comes into all kinds of different areas. And it might even be harder to assess the value of things that don't have a monetary amount connected to them. What's the value of living in the United States? 
Most of us were born here. We take that for granted. But the reason why most of us were born here is because at some point in history, there was some family member that decided it was so valuable for you to have the opportunities provided in this country that they were going to sell everything that they have, cross an ocean or go to a whole new place, learn a whole different language so that you can have the opportunities you have today. They saw a lot of value in that for you. Do you see that value? Or what's the value of spending time with your grandparents, just sitting and talking with them? When you're young, you see hardly any value in that at all. It sounds like a waste of time to hear grandpa's stories once again. But as you get older, you learn to cherish those stories and how they shaped him and how they have impacted and influenced you and who you are. What's the value of having children? Kids are expensive. They cost a lot, they add a lot of heartache to life, but yet people have them over and over again because they recognize there's more than a financial implication to having children. But most importantly for us to consider this morning, how valuable is your relationship with God? How important is that to you? And how, if it is valuable, do you show the value of that relationship, especially if there is no financial cost that you can associate with it? Well, as we continue to look at the summer's parables that Jesus told, we're looking this morning at, at two very short parables that still teach us an awful lot about the kingdom of God or the, the kingdom of heaven, especially when it comes to the value of that kingdom. Now, to start, let me explain a little bit by that term, the kingdom of heaven, because that's what Jesus is talking about here. Sometimes in other uh, gospels, especially, it's referred to as the kingdom of God. But when it's called the kingdom of heaven, I think sometimes we get confused and think that he's talking about heaven itself. And yet that isn't necessarily true. The kingdom of heaven is wherever God is known as king, where it is clear that he is reigning and ruling over the lives of people. And yes, in the Garden of Eden, his kingdom was fully experienced by all humanity when Adam and Eve were without sin. And yes, when we do get to heaven someday, it will be another time where God's reign, his rule, will be complete and entire. And yet, between the Garden of Eden and when we go to glory, where we live right now, God's kingdom is still present. It is at work. It's what John the Baptist came to proclaim, what Jesus began his ministry with. Repent, for the kingdom is of heaven is at hand. And so the kingdom is what we are citizens of when we surrender to Jesus as our Savior and as our Lord. We seek to live for him, bringing healing and redemption to a fallen and broken world. It is when we recognize and live for what is good, what is lovely, what is right and true about life here and now. Now, knowing that, we see these two parables that are trying to communicate the value of that kingdom. Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, 
Or it's like a merchant in search of fine pearls. Now, both of the rest of those parables are very similar in their description. And yet, let me start by highlighting the most important difference between the two. In the parable of the treasure hidden in a field, it's pretty clear that the man who found the treasure wasn't necessarily looking for it. So back then, before real banks actually existed, to protect your valuable possessions, it was common practice to bury it in jars of clay somewhere on your property. That way, if you went away for a long trip or you had to go off and, and, join, and, and get involved in military service, you couldn't take these items with you, so you would leave them on your property and then one day return and dig them up and they would still be there nice, safe, and sound. But there were times when people didn't return from their trips or were killed in military service and therefore their treasure was abandoned. And apparently one day in this story that Jesus is telling, there's this man who stumbles along in this field, this treasure that had apparently been abandoned. Now in terms of analogy of life, this might be someone who just stumbles on the kingdom of heaven. Maybe there's someone that just is living in their home, going about their normal existence, and all of a sudden new neighbors move in. And as they watch these new neighbors, they recognize that they live with a different sense of purpose. That there is joy in their life, a genuine joy that they themselves don't truly experience. And that these people have some kind of meaning that, that they recognize would be wonderful for them. It's, it's in stark contrast to the worthlessness of much of what they pursue. And so they want to know more. And they stumble upon the treasure of the kingdom of heaven in these neighbors that they happen to get to know. This accidental discovery is not the way that the pearl is found in this second parable. In that parable, a merchant... A pearl expert is searching for good pearls. And in that search, one day he discovers the pearl of all pearls. It is beautiful. It is perfect. It is more than what he had been looking for and thought that he would ever find. But there it is. His search is over. And again, the analogy here would be likened to a person who goes on a quest for meaning in life. They read all the books, they explore all of the philosophies, but then they come across the message of Jesus and his proclamation of hope. The message stands up to the scrutiny of the expert. It answers the questions that they have been asking. The search is over this is what they have been looking for. Now, in recognizing that, we've already learned a few important things about the kingdom. Let me just highlight the one of them, which is the unexpected hiddenness of the kingdom of heaven. Because of the prevalence of sin in this world, and because of our sinful tendency to reject the reign of God, to turn ourselves into the lords of our lives, so often the kingdom of heaven can seem hidden. It can often look hard to find. It can look like it's hidden away in obscure places. It's easily overlooked and ignored by many. And that was clearly true when Jesus told these parables. 
Here he was, just one literally homeless man with a small group of disciples around him, telling these stories, sharing his teachings, doing these miracles. And though many, many people saw and heard what he was doing and teaching, the vast majority of them didn't recognize who he was or the life that he was inviting them to experience. And so they dismissed him. There was no advertising campaign. There was no PR firm that was trying to trump up Jesus and elevate him and support and encourage the message that he was. It was always something that people had to discover on their own. Furthermore, in each of these two parables, the reaction of the discovery of this great treasure and its, the, the treasure and the pearl end up being exactly the same. For those that had the eyes to see, they knew what they had found. They knew the value of this treasure that was beyond anything else that they owned. And so in order to obtain this treasure, they both go off and sell everything they have in order to obtain it. Now, before we get too far in the explanation and application of what that means, let me cover some questions that often get asked in relation to this. Uh, the first one is the ethics of the man who discovers this treasure in a field he doesn't own, buries it, and then goes and buys that field. Is that right? Especially if it appears that he doesn't reveal what was really hidden in the field to the person who had owned it. And while most every commentary acknowledges the existence of that question, they also almost unanimously, unanimously, that's a, unanimously, there we go, suggest that that's not the point of the parable. Uh, we're not supposed to dig into these kinds of details about whether or not it was exactly right for him to do this. He did purchase the land. He didn't just take the treasure and hide it in his coat and run off of the land. But he went and he purchased it at a great cost to himself. And that is the point. Could you ever imagine finding something so valuable to you that you would sell everything you have in order to get it? And when I say everything, think about that. All that he had is the statement of the parable. You give up every collection, every possession, everything in order to own it. But that's the value of this treasure and this pearl. They are so valuable that as it says in the first parable, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has. This is not a reluctant seller. This is not one standing back heavily weighing, oh, do I, do I let go of my vintage 19 uh, chariot that I just bought do I let go of the collection of lamps that I've held on to for so long? If he would have wondered about those things and held on to any of it, he wouldn't have enough to purchase the field or the pearl. They're eager to part with all that they have in order to obtain what is clearly of so much greater value. Which leads to another question often asked of these parables. Does the kingdom of heaven cost money? Is Jesus suggesting that we have to purchase our way into citizenship, into this kingdom, that we have to give God something 
before we are able to consider ourselves as having owned it. Now, on the one hand, the clear answer to that question is no. Entrance into the kingdom of God as a citizen of his kingdom is a free gift of grace. There are stories in the Bible of people who tried to pay money for the power of the Spirit in order to use it. But there are things that money cannot buy. And a spirit and a relationship with God is one of those things. God doesn't need our money or our possessions. But in another sense, the kingdom of heaven is something that will cost you everything. Clear example of this is the rich young ruler that approaches Jesus with the question, what must I do to, to inherit eternal life? And after Jesus tells him, you must keep all of the commandments, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, when the rich ruler affirms that he's done all of that, Jesus says, one thing you lack, go and sell all of your possessions, giving it to the poor, then come and follow me. And the man went away sad because it was too much. Or I think of texts like Luke 9, 23, when Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And there are many other texts that talk about the sacrifices that are necessary, the surrender of everything that you have in order to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. And in addition to just those texts, there's the reality of the experience of so many. For the disciples that first heard Jesus tell this parable, in order to be disciples of Jesus, they gave up everything. They left their family. They left their homes. They left their friends in order to follow him. And they were credit criticized. They were arrested. They were persecuted by the religious and political leaders of the day, and most of them ended up being executed because of their relationship with Jesus. And after them, throughout history and around the globe, there are many places and times where confessing a relationship with Jesus Christ, living for him and serving him, has cost people their freedom, their employment, their safety, and their very lives. And in looking at that, so many would evaluate and ask that important question, is it worth it? Are you wasting your life by living for the Lord? Is having a relationship with God really worth the hassle of getting your kids in the car every single Sunday, fighting with them for their attention, sitting in the pews trying to keep them paying attention and not distracting the people around them just in order to be here? Is losing earning power by taking a day off of work and resting Really worth what you could get if you kept working, if you kept earning more money during this time? Is it worth losing friends because there are places you cannot go with them and things you won't do with them because you are a citizen of the kingdom? Is it really worth losing relationships with family members because you are part of that denomination that is so critical of everybody? 
always looking down on other people and questioning their life choices. Is it worth your life? Those are all real costs. But are they a waste? We have to be honest. There are very many people who look at all of those things and they say, oh yes, absolutely that is a waste. That is a waste of your time. That is a waste of your resources. That is a waste of your energy. Why not just spend it at home together with your family resting there? Why not hold on to your money and buy vacations that you can enjoy together instead of giving it to a church? Well, in recognizing that there are many who say yes, let me flip that question and ask it in light of this table set before us this morning. Because this table asks the question, how valuable are you? And how much did Jesus care about having a relationship with you? And this table answers that question. All of us confess when we come to this table that we are sinners. That the great God who is above all worth and value, who is the power of all, all things, speaking everything into existence, we have looked at that God and we have demeaned him, we have belittled him, we have undermined his value, and we have rejected him, placing ourselves above him in so many ways. And yet that very same God says, I love you so much that I sent my one and only son into the world. And Jesus did come to this earth, born in a lowly, dirty manger, born into a world where he was criticized, questioned, doubted, ridiculed, and ultimately where he was beaten, spat upon, mocked, and belittled, though he was the Son of God. And he went all the way to a cross where he offered and sacrificed his body and his blood, earning the wrath of God on himself and the rejection of the Father. And he did it all for you. Because he loved you. Because he wanted a relationship with you. Because he wanted you to know the meaning and the purpose of life that he had created you for. And then in light of that, do we look at this table and we say, you know what? That time you're asking of me in worship, it's too much. That sacrifice of my desires that I have, you're asking too much of me, God. The time that you want, the offerings you want me to give, far too much. You're not worth all of that. I don't think we can do that if we understand what this is all about. This time... Our relationship with God, it doesn't just mean something important. It's not just something that we set to the side and, and take up every once in a while. It means everything. And because it means everything, there should be nothing that we cling to more that would interfere with or impact negatively our relationship with the Lord. 
And so as we go forth from this place, and we go to, to look for, to build, to spread the good news of the kingdom of God, to live into the purpose that he created you with, to share that hope that we have, we do so knowing what he first gave to us. And in light of that, there should be nothing we hold on to and would not surrender because of the importance of the value of what he's done for us. So may we show the value of the kingdom of heaven by the way that we live. Let us pray. Lord God and Heavenly Father, once again, we get to the point of saying that it is easy to claim that you are our all in all, that you are worthy of every gift we could ever give and all the praise we could ever offer. And yet I pray that those would not just be words that come out of our mouths, but they would be demonstrated in the way that we live our lives. Lord, thank you for all that you have given to us. Thank you for the value we have in your eyes and the testimony of that we are about to recognize in the participating of this sacrament. And given the amount of love that you have for us, I pray that we would respond by returning to you all that we are, giving of our time, our energy, our efforts in order to worship and glorify you in this life that you have blessed us with. Thank you for your many blessings. May we respond with our service and sacrifice to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.